0: Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Adel Marcy Unplugged. I'm your host of the most, as always, Adel Marcy, and we are bringing the heat live again this week because the person that's actually on this call um, is a bit of a marketing genius. They've been around for absolutely ages, and the insane thing is how long I've actually followed their career, and I only just told them today before the show, so it's kind of interesting. Of uh, finally getting this happening and rolling. So, without further ado, my good friend Jim Yagi. Jim,
1: welcome to the show.
0: Hey, man, how's
1: it going, um, good dude? Like, I cannot, I cannot believe that it has been that long, right? i you know what? I'm actually
0: gonna tell you on air the actual way I found you because uh, I'm very grateful. I have an eidetic memory, but I remember the entire promotion that got me, to, that turned me on to you. Um, I was in MLM at the time, I was 18, and it was Mike Dillard's Black Belt uh, ad course that I first was introduced to you. And then I started following you, and I don't know if this is still your Skype handle, so if it is, I apologize. Um, But your Skype handle back then was Oz Billionaire or Oz Millionaire, one of the two. That's how far back
1: it goes. Like I remember messaging you on that. That's how it was. That was a a misguided, uh, like most, even my current um, Skype handle is like from the MLM days. (laughs) I was was a billionaire.
0: Oh man, but that's the thing though. Like it's been so long, but it's interesting to watch the evolution of who you are. Because uh, I remember when you first came onto Facebook and we became friends. Um, there was still that era of this is Jim Yagi. The dude is like ten levels above me. I will never get to the point where he and I are friends and can talk. And fast forward, here we are today, where we message each other every couple of days, and we got this podcast going because of it. So it's fun.
1: Yeah, it's um, man, but you know, like the the um, the transition from the MLM, the, the that that whole thing. Um, you were talking about Facebook, like there was a pivotal moment. I don't know if you attended this. There was a pivotal moment in my career where I was like, you know what? I'm not doing this anymore. You know, like um, there was a certain way that everybody did things. It was like, you know, the, 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 the god of um, MLM, oh, sorry, of yeah, what do you call it? Uh, of online MLM marketing, which was like this, this new thing. It was the MLM yeah. online marketing thing and everybody was basically you know sucking up to this uh, to this dude and he dictated the terms essentially that everybody worked by and then and then you know i just like i had enough of trying to you know fit in and like i saw so many things that i wasn't really um i wasn't really happy with during like as i and i went along with it because this period of time where you know you are the student you're you're the one who's learning, and you see things, and you're like, okay, I guess this is how it's done. You remember that that um, scene in The Wolf of Wall Street? I think it was in The Wolf of Wall Street, where the guy, um, where you know, the, the the where DiCaprio is sitting with. Um, uh, are you familiar with the movie? No,
0: no, I, I I'm trying to remember which scene is that you're particularly going on about.
1: It was like right at the right at, right at the beginning, where the dude's sitting there. To, I think it was that movie. Um, he's telling him about you know, this is how. This is how we we're doing things. Uh, basically, um, he's sitting there and he's listening. He's kind of on the on the fence. Like this stuff sounds highly unethical and highly, you know, not right. And um, and he's just like, okay, I guess this is how it goes. This is how things uh, this is how things work. And um, that's how it was at, at, up until this point where I was like, you know what? No. And then I just I went in and I was like fuck so-and-so, fuck so-and-so, fuck so-and-so, and like named them one by one, all the different, like, it was like such a taboo, the way that I did Oh, I remember. That was
0: like <laughs> one of those moments where you don't forget, because at that point, I was so far removed from MLM. But I remember watching <laughs> them going, oh, shit. Uh,
1: yeah, it was like, you just burned, because everybody, no matter what, you were worried. Um, I remember that there was this worry that, you know, you didn't, even if you didn't agree with something, you didn't want to get cussed out, because got kicked out of the circle that was it yeah and for me when i did that it was like dude i don't need any of these fuckers like yeah. i don't need all of these guys everybody who was in this they all sucked each other's dicks in a big round circle because it was a simple the- yeah yeah because because they're all required each other to launch anything when you wanted to launch something you went and you're like okay everybody promote for me and they would promote for you because when you know you'd it was that
0: you promote yeah, you'd, you'd basically constantly promote it was syndication. remember like Frank had that whole syndication thing going on yeah, a
1: yeah. Year ago Same yeah time. and this was after actually yeah, it was around
0: It was yeah. just after because I remember MLM adopted it after Frank did it in their marketplace.
1: Ah, uh, they were doing it before, bro. I mean maybe they got more organized about it. That's um, what I mean.
0: like it was really far more organized from when I saw yeah. it
1: yeah yeah, yeah and it was it was just like. I was like, dude, I don't need these fuckers all of these guys are coming to me because they think I've got and this is the funny thing they all thought I had this big list, um, which is hilarious because at the time I had out of all of them probably the smallest list because I'm not like I'm not one of those dudes who likes to um you know there's people who like to have connections and high places and they're always using their connections to get things done. I feel like that's cheating and I ne- and I never really pursued those, those sort of yeah. things. But um, this is the reason why they thought I had this huge list is because I had a deal um, in which I would, um, so a lot of people don't know this because in the, in the um, MLM, well, in the internet marketing world, you you know, you tell the convenient parts so that um, <clears throat> you tell a good narrative yeah. um, what it is. But I had a, essentially, <clears throat> I was recruited um, to do to manage um, to do trip campaign management for um, magnetic sponsoring which mm. was you know Brilliant. like the yeah it was the, the earliest um, MLM online uh, online MLM type of thing before carbon copy was other guys so they, they brought me in um, to do this and I remember the conversation at the beginning with Tim because he'd seen that I had like I'd made this claim which was a true claim about how many people, how many leads I was generating. Um, it, it was like in my footer in the signature um, of my uh, forum post. So he'd seen this and he'd heard about me and he was like, holy shit. And I thought that this was nothing because I'd heard about how much, <clears throat> how much leads they were generating at the time. And they were like, um, you know, this ridiculous number. And I thought they were generating them, you know, through, Google ads or whatever it was, but they weren't, it was all like the cumulative effort of all the affiliates that they had. And I didn't know that. So I didn't think it was a big deal what I was doing. I just wrote it in the signature cause it was like, yeah, this is what I've done. This is my credentials. And I was you know, kind of new to the whole thing. So they asked me to come and um, do this for them. And I was so unsure of myself that when he asked me, how do you want to be compensated? Um, I was like, Like if you just give me a percentage of um, like a percentage of my performance, basically, I'll do it on a performance basis. Um, I thought, you know, this way, nobody's going to be really upset because if I don't do well, then they're not going to have to pay me or not have to pay me much. I won't, you know, be ever a liability on them. And he was like, okay, well, you know, make things easier. Let's just use the affiliate, um, you know, the affiliate percentage. So now they're paying the budget. So the ad budget. I'm not paying it from my pocket. They're paying the ad budget, and I'm running the ads, and I'm earning the full commission. <clears throat> unlike your typical affiliate, yep. which is, is a sweet deal. I gotta Massively. admit, especially when it was it turned out. Hey, shit! This thing is like awesome. Like I'm making really good money with this thing. But <clears throat> I was they assumed that I was collecting the leads for myself and then sending them through. But I, I was like, dude, they're paying for the leads. Of course I'm not going to do that. Those, those go straight into their list. So all the leads that I generated, they thought I had access to them before them, but that wasn't the case. I was filling their mailing list with all the leads because that was their money being spent on it. Yeah, it's the ethical
0: like, thing to do. You got paid to do something. You're ethically going to deliver.
1: Right. And, and, um, Nobody really got that. They thought that, oh shit, this dude's got like this massive list built out of this thing, and I didn't because I was sending them straight into their funnel.
0: So crazy, but like speaking of like lead generation, that's something that like I do want to touch upon with you because I realize so many people have a problem with it. Like to this day, it's like the biggest number one concern. It's like, how do I get more leads? Right, it's a thing. But before we continue, I really want to like shine a light on something. Which is we totally forgot to do the sponsor call for this episode, so I'm going to do that right now. Which is uh, if you guys head on over to YagiLabs.com or uh, yeah, YagiLabs.com, go check out Jim's site. It's absolutely brilliant. You will pick up a crap load of uh, ideas around traffic and everything else in between because it's Jim and Jim is kind of amazing with this kind of stuff. Get on his mailing list because he stupidly doesn't build his own that way. And well, he didn't used to. Now he does. So get on his mailing list and. Pick some amazing stuff up, and my last thing I'm going to say to you guys: please go check out adolamarc.com, as that's exactly where we're hosting all these shows as they come out every Friday. And uh, as always, please rate, review, subscribe, and uh, leave us a nice little, you know, review and comment about what you loved, what you didn't love, and how we can improve the show moving forward. That being said, my question to you is quite simple. What do you find is the biggest obstacle people have around generating leads? Because this is something that I've seen for myself and seen for others. But once I'm, I'm curious with how your
1: mind works. I think that um, I think it's changed dramatically in the last few few years. Because in the beginning, like in the earlier days when I was doing this, the biggest issue was they most people wanted to generate leads using free methods. And the the biggest obstacle was getting their head around, dude, just pay for your traffic and this thing will just become like lead generation will no longer be a problem. Um uh the but nowadays I think a lot more people are, you know, they, they get that and they're like, they go Facebook, they do whatever. And and it's not it's not necessarily Facebook. Um Everybody seems to think that there's like one magical place to go to get leads. When it depends on the offer um, that you've got. But I think that the biggest real like I think this is red no matter what. It has always been the issue underlying. Nobody recognized that it's basically making money from your from your lead gen efforts. Um, and I think a lot of people um, that I've seen doing traffic generation, they're Really obsessed with getting the cost down. They like, oh, look, such and such cost leads, they like 50 cent leads, and blah, 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 and whatever, and, and this many conversions or whatever the, the thing is. But um, I don't really boast about the cost of the leads because I think that whatever the cost ends up being, that's the cost dictated by the market and the competition. And I don't even like do a whole lot of fine tuning. People, they they want to know what is it that's so magical that you do. And I don't do anything. Honestly, it is. I don't have like any super voodoo tricks on optimizing lead gen or, or or whatever. I have you know a few tricks up my sleeve. Obviously, that you know allow me to 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 do this. But really, the the what it comes back to is you've generated the lead. Now convert it. Like. Get as much money as you can out of that lead by creating a really good relationship with um, the customer. It's not just make the sale to them have post-checkout upsells, which you know are all good. I'm not saying that these are bad things, but post-checkout upsells, having a funnel, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, that's all great, but the real value is in continually um, developing the relationship with your customer and being. You know, giving them support, uh, responding to their emails, um, uh, selling them on other things, um, having new, launching new products, coming up with new things that you might um, that help them um, to uh, you know have a more complete um, business. And I and I think sorry to have sorry more complete so, solution to their to their problems, right? Um, and and I find that you know when I uh, when I deal with a lot of clients um, their focus tends to be more on the immediate you know like spent this much on a, a um, lead I need to generate this much uh, return on investment um, any less than this it's a loss it's got to be a, yeah but the easy way to increase that um, that margin is just sell a more expensive product. Sell another product. That's it. That's all you've got to do. Um, it's not because if you come and you want to tweak the cost, what you're going to ultimately do is reduce the traffic volume. Um, like you reduce scale, you limit the scale that you have available to you. Instead of um, opening it up and saying, "Hey, look, here's something that sort of converts. That's uh, sorry, that you know, sort of gives a. Um, it's almost breaking even. It's broken even a little bit. It's um, giving a little bit of margin of profitability. Let's increase the margin by selling more stuff. And let's turn up the traffic because that's what you need to be doing at that point. Floor it, you know?
0: I agree with you. And there's so many people that have this problem of actually letting, the, the way I like to say it is they have a problem letting go and swinging for the fences when it's time to swing for the fences. Like right now, uh, while we're recording this to give you guys an idea, I just wrapped up um, a small mini launch that I did just completely out of the blue. I think you may have seen it if you had not It's basically around um, the welcome sequence stuff that I created. Like how to create a welcome sequence that does really, really well. Um, you guys can still pick that up, by the way. The links will be in the description. Uh, I think it's going to be welcome. Tell us a little here.
1: bit more about it. Yeah.
0: So it's welcome sequence 101. And the entire way that I broke it down was over the last 12 years, and specifically over the last five, I designed a system of welcome sequence emails going out that increased the overall conversion of my medium client by 22%. So some of them have up to like 50% more sales. Some people have like less than 20% more sales uh, increased, but their retention rate on average leveled out to 22%. So 22% more leads stayed in the follow-up, 22% more leads bought, 22% more leads basically saw your message. And I decided to put this together and put it out there. By the way, the sales video to the sales, like the one that's currently running is dog shit. It is genuinely dog shit. I will tell you the mindset I was in when I actually did it. I was in one of the worst moods I have been in for a while. I was really pissed off and angry, like visibly, shakingly angry. And I didn't want to shoot this video. And then Zoom wouldn't work and nothing else would record it. So I decided just quickly take out my laptop, didn't even put it on a proper stand. It's a very weird angle because I'm on my sofa, not in my office. So I sat on my sofa, like laptop on the floor, thing looking up to me, and I just went for it. I shot this entire video in 12 minutes and then did all the upsells. I mean, even the upsells are terrible. Like to the point where I think what I said on one of the upsells, was like, oh my god, you actually click the link and you're hit. Great, here's what you do next. Like I was surprised about things, which is hilarious given my track record. Um, but the crazy thing is the conversion rate steadily is held at 16 plus percent. Like we've had a 16% conversion rate and only one person has ever bought just the front end. Everyone buys the the bump or they buy the one of the two upsells, right? which aren't a huge amount. They're like 47, 97. The entire funnel at the time that's running, I'm going to be changing it around because one of the products needs to be created. Uh, and that's going to like, give me a quite good adjuster. But right now you can get the entire thing for 256 bucks, give or take. Right. Mm. But here's, the, here's what I was going to say that a lot of people aren't looking at. Flooring it at this time would be perfect. And at the same time, I'm starting to mail my list way more stuff. And be like, hey, guys, you're on my list. Here's some cool stuff. Go buy this. And the people have already bought that program. I'm seeding the next program, which is help me write my launch sequence. Like, let me show you how to write your launch email sequence. It's going to have the exact same flow and funnel. You know, here's how it comes up. Go buy this thing. Yeah, so we constantly have it. So again, like you said, a lot of people don't floor it in that time period and they don't make enough offers. So my question here lies in, how do you know what offer to make to your audience and how to price it? Because a lot of people have this weird process of, I don't know how much, how much to charge for this thing.
1: Um,
0: I mean, and by this thing, it, I mean it, that product, not my product.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, it really, I mean, it, it depends. I mean, it, for me i look i wouldn't say that i 'm um, any kind of expert on like funnel stuff or on um, you know copywriting or whatever, but I think that i've got a pretty a pretty good relationship with my um, with my subscribers like i have a I tend to like people like um receiving um, emails from me yes. when i 'm doing follow up and and, um, and selling and stuff they they enjoy um that contact and um something that i do a lot of and i've like i remember a lot of the people in our industry they don't like having to deal with um you know personal like personal emails and stuff like that they try to cut themselves off from the customers but i've always found it like keeping your finger on the pulse of things and so um when i come up with pricing it it is kind of arbitrary. I mean, I I think about like, you know, how much involvement there is in this thing, Um, uh, whether I want this to be a cheap product or a a more expensive product, how many customers I want to deal with. For example, if it's a coaching, um, sort of an offer where, you know, or like even a group coaching thing, I don't want to have too many people. So the price will generally be higher because I want to, you know, more
0: time with them
1: than basically, yeah, yeah, it becomes sort of a filter. Um, but like if it's a, if it's something where, um, you know, I'm going to go on, I'm going to give a talk for, or a demonstration for uh, 60 minutes or something like that. And it's going to be, um, open for Q and a, um, and then recorded and it's just going to turn into a product that I can sell over and over, then, you know, it is going to be typically a little cheaper, but there's valuable. But anyway, but the, mo- the most important thing is, um, <clears throat> knowing what, what to sell next. And I think knowing what to sell next comes with um, trying to serve your audience better. Um, if, you're, if you're in contact with them all the time, you're hearing their complaints, you're hearing their questions, you're, um, you know, they're, they're writing to you and you're writing back and you're discussing things and you're hearing recurring, repeating problems. Um, so you're always, you always are never out of ideas of what to um, always sell move. next. Essentially yeah. you're
0: always in the loop by keeping a conversation going now This is brilliant because this is where I was wanting to go with this and that is the idea of how do you keep in touch with your contact? Because so many people I know including myself uh, We go through phases where you don't email our list like we just don't email our list. We don't keep in touch with them And then when we do it's just really awkward because it's like running into a date that you used to have and you're like They send it weirdly so my question is, how do you start building that re- rebuilding that comfortability with your mailing list and start having
1: the habit of essentially getting to the point where you can mail daily? Um, so that's a that's a really interesting, uh, very timely question that you ask because um, I'm I'm in the I'm in exactly that position. So um, originally I I was uh, when I started to do um, frequent uh, emails. I made uh, I, I made a point that it was always a daily email, um, and there was always one email every day that would go out. If I missed one, it wasn't a big deal. Like I wouldn't be, I wouldn't really beat myself up over having missed a day or two, or whatever. Um, like that, that the timing wasn't an issue. Um, but as long as it was frequent, as frequent as about once a day, that was good enough. But then I had a period, and I've had some breaks. Yes, uh, everybody's gone through that. Yeah, yeah, everyone's like liable to have break. Now, a break of about a month, it's easy enough to sort of come back from that. You're gonna you're gonna have a little bit of a fallout with it. You'll probably get a bit more unsubscribes um, uh, when you when you come back. Um, nobody from your loyal fan base is gonna you know leave you at that point. So whatever those unsubscribes are, that probably people who weren't really listening to you to begin with. Um, not a big deal, but I had a break of about, I don't know, four, four years or so <clears throat> where I didn't send a single email after having been in their inboxes all the time. I had a really miserable, um, thing. Ha- like it was just, it was a really bad situation where I disappointed um, a lot of customers. As well, it wasn't. what happened was, I started with um, a, a series of um, pro, like it was a product which was a series-based thing. And for um, every um, month, they would, um, you know, they were promised uh, a deliverable, w- and they would be billed for that month. So it's not like we, you know, we collected money from people and didn't deliver that. Not that sort of thing. But it was where you know they were expecting the series to continue, and it took a long hiatus and then came back and they're like, yeah, I'm not really into it anymore, but they're disappointed because they invested into part of it and then, you know, didn't, didn't yeah. get to have, to see the rest of it. So, um, so I've had, you know, we're talking about customers disappointed, um, some customers disappointed, obviously, um, leads who have, you know, basically dropped off, like forgotten who you are or just left the industry. They're not interested in this thing anymore or whatever it is. Um, Four years is a long time. It's a long ass time. I mean, <laughs> it's a long time to disappear. Um, so I think the, like the way that I handled it, and I don't know that it was the best way, but it seems to be um, a good, uh, a good way. Um, is, you know, you, you come back and you, you explain what had happened. You just be raw, be real. This is, you know, human shit happened to me, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I'm human. I, uh, I screwed up. Something bad happened, and um, this is not how I wanted it to go. And um, I'd like to, you know, try to make it up. Um, You expect, like, expect that you're going to have still a decent amount of fallout. Like, I know, I knew when I came back, I'm probably the list that I had is probably going to shrink down to, to, uh, um, at least, sorry, probably like fifty percent less than it was. We're talking about four years. That's a decent chunk of time. Um, the the customers that I had, I'm probably going to have lost quite a few um, of them in terms of their loyalty and so on. But yeah. um, and and am like I see, I see everybody who gets you know who So I'm recognizing names. like I'm recognizing email addresses. Like, Dang, that was you know that was one of my good customers who just unsubscribed. You know, yeah. um, like I, I'm I'm that I like to have my finger on the pulse of things that. I, I do, I get like a hundred emails of unsubscribes and I get, I look at them, you know Same here.
0: I don't understand people that don't do that. It's the weirdest thing I found out years ago, Frank Kahn was on my mailing list. Oh wow. I was like, what the fuck is he doing on my mailing list? Because again, yeah. in my head, I'm like, why would you be on my mailing list? I don't understand this.
1: Right, no. yeah. But yeah, I, but I, I mean, get really personal with it. That's pretty cool. Um, I mean, it's cool when you find out who like who's on your list yeah and yeah so uh, so i i know that like i'm losing it's it's heartbreaking to see those people go yeah um you see friends unsubscribing from you and it's like dude you're my friend you fucker you know like <laughs> right yeah, i only spoke to you yesterday
0: on facebook what the hell
1: yeah yeah dude i had one one dude who was who was an um who was on my list um i saw him unsubscribe it was like dude this this guy if anybody benefited from me right this was this was the dude like if there was anyone you could say had benefited from it, it was, he'd like he was like my number two hold on one second I'm gonna pause
0: this interview for just one second guys hold on. so we just had a little bit of a session for a sec but one of the key things that Jim just basically told me um it wasn't anything that told just something that we were I asked about that when people unsubscribe they still message you on other networks to get to know you and the weirdest relationship I've had with this is I had someone buy my product and then unsubscribe from the product delivery list the day they got the welcome email, like the day. So I messaged them privately on Facebook. I was like, Hey, um, are you aware that you unsubscribed? And they're like, what? I was like, yeah, you've completely unsubscribed from the payment, like from this list. So if you need access to the product, you have to message me, but like, I can't add you back onto the subscription thing. Uh, (laughs) their response was I didn't realize it was you. Wow. The, what, the, like yeah, I totally forgot what I was reading, <laughs> and went, so, oh yeah, click unsubscribe,, Jeez. so they go back onto my mailing list, which is quite interesting, but that does happen
1: yeah, yeah. Does happen. Uh, it it does, but um anyway, so like yeah, I said, it, it watching the unsubscribes can be quite heartbreaking um it, it is, and and dude, you know, no matter how big your list is, no matter how long you've been doing this, I can tell you, I can attest to the fact that um I've seen people go, and I'm like, yeah, I, I knew it was gonna happen, but it still hurts. Um, so anyway, so um, uh, explain, being human and explaining your, your situation and understanding that some people are going to get it. Some people aren't. Some people just, they're not into it anymore. They're not doing this. And it just, you know, it's no hard feelings. They just don't want to, they look like it's not in, it's not on their radar anymore. They don't, they don't do this. Um, and then you just, you build up your frequency. Like I personally, this is what I, I, I think of myself, in the. I put myself in the other person's shoes. I don't want to hear from somebody who's just, you know, who's disappeared from my inbox for four years, and then suddenly he's emailing me every flippin' day, or he's emailing me, you know, two, three times a day, which I think is, I think it's a little obnoxious to be emailing that that frequently. No one wants to hear from anyone two, that three awesome. times a day. Yeah,
0: I was going to say, I know some people, I know Ben tends to email quite a lot like that when he's doing launch stuff, which, you know, he's
1: trained as always. In a launch too, is fine. So. Yeah. A launch, I, but if it's day
0: today, I'm like, no.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's too it's too much. Um, unless I mean I know that there are some people who do it because they have, they're in that sort of a business where, you know, it's just like there's a lot of churn and they they're just trying to get as much money as they can up front. I personally don't like those types of
0: businesses. Yeah, I was gonna say that but, just sounds like stressful. Like just sounds like an unnecessary stress.
1: Yeah. But but I ultimately wanna build up to daily and yeah. um I think it makes sense, too, that, um, so yes, you do want to be selling in every email, including the first one that yes. you write. Agreed. But there's a difference between, you know, selling and, you know, selling. Um, so I, I tried um, in my, um, again, this is I'm just telling you an experience that I had as I did it. Um, my first message has a link, a sales link, but it's just really subtle, really, really, really subtle. It's yeah. like. Hey, you know, um, if you, if you were one of the customers who um, had, uh, you know, we kind of disappointed with this thing, the product is ready. um, You can continue it here, you know, at this link. It was, it's subtle, right? It's not too, you know, in your face. Um, The second uh, email I sent, I try, like, I try to give them something um, if you can, like, them some sort of a freebie to sort of build up a little bit of goodwill but it should also be serving your sales purposes um, so what I did was I waited about a week before I sent a second email um, which I think is, maybe it's a little bit long but I feel like it I mean I the my timing is really more about I'm trying to I'm dealing with um, another issue so it's not just getting back in there and um, the relationship um, I'm handling the problem, the potential problem with bounces and complaints. Yeah. Um, and this is something you're going to have to worry about the longer that you're disappeared. Um, it, it's going to be an issue you have to deal with. Bounces um, are the worst
0: for that kind <clears throat> of thing. But like complaints are obviously pretty bad, but you can get away with a few. But It just really, really depends. Um, real quick before we head down this path, do you mind if we take a little detour yep. around like, sure. so when it comes down to, um, to the way that I teach this and the way that I was taught, uh, and how I expanded was if you actually set the precedent in the first email of how you're going to even if you're reengaging with them, yeah. if you set them the first, if you set that precedent of what's going on, and you're just human about it, you can actually very subtly sell almost anything off the back end of that. So to give someone an example, they'll be thinking, well, how would I do that with my mailing list? And Jim, I'd love your critique on this. But the way that I'd run with it would be say I had say so it would be like uh, the subject line would be was called they said that I'd never come back. Boy were they wrong, would be the subject line. And then the email would go into, hey, I know I've not called, I've not written, I've not messaged in absolutely years. And just like a heartbroken lover who has not seen their love for such a long time, because of whatever life reason there is, I'm back hand in hat, kind of going, Will you take me back? Ha ha. Very fun and humorous. Um, or just like, you know, haha. Ha. And then I'd go into the email would be around. So this is what I've been up to and why I've not messaged you last couple of years. Like this is the raw, real thing. I've gone through some health stuff. I've gone through some personal stuff. I've gone through this life experience. And I came to that realization that I wasn't treating you right. And in fact, you guys have been sat here this entire time, either waiting for me to kick you out and like for you guys to leave or, and for me to give you a reason to leave, or you've been waiting for me to return and give you something absolutely gold. If you've been on my mailing list anytime time that you knew that i used to email you as frequently you know i always brought the heat i always came in to help you the best i could so with that being said here are three things that i'm planning to do to help with the consistency you receive more emails with me over time right now i need to get my bounce rate back down my complaint rate back down and once i've got those in place i can start mailing you more frequently and then um, i transition to so here's what I want you to do that'll be absolutely brilliant. Number one, create a uh, pro, create a uh, a folder for me in your inbox. Number two, name it this. Number three, make an automation so my emails go into there. I don't care or don't mind if you read them later in the week, as long as they get read because I do want you to take action on what I send you. It will help you achieve your goals that you might have. Speaking of goals, please reply back. Uh, please reply back to this email address and let me know how I can best help you, which one of the areas of business do you need the most help with that I can help and accom- uh, that I can give you the best uh, of my abilities of. Send me a reply or whitelist this email address and mail it to me. I look forward to speaking to you soon. Uh, be continually awesome. Ado, PS, I haven't been dead the entire time, meaning I have been working on a couple of offers. And if you're interested in looking at how you can create a better welcome sequence that I've been doing for my clients and I'm now starting to implement for myself, go check it out by clicking this link and just watch the video. It's 12 minutes long, fairly entertaining, but if it sits right with you and you want to actually see how my clients have made a crap load of money with my skills, feel free to click through and see if it's right for you. So something like that is where I'd go to because it encapsulates so much in so little. Yeah,
1: yeah, that, that's uh, that's a pretty cool approach, yeah, definitely. Um, I, I mean, um, there's lots of different ways to approach it for sure. Um, I mean, it comes back to your personality and how and how you do. Sorry, um, how you do things and and what you um, like, because they're used to a certain tone, you know, and um, that tone will uh, will set what you can and can't um, do. If you come in and you're like talked in a completely different way from how you used to, that's also going to be seriously weird. Um, but yeah, like definitely subtle though is the way to go when you're coming back after a disappearance um don't expect to have people you know lining up to to buy um because you know this they're they're still like trying they're to kiss at you yeah i mean maybe maybe they're not, maybe not. but maybe um, but there's you gotta
0: rebuild that emotional connection with them
1: yeah um because they used to buy from you because they um the people who bought from you before they bought from you because they, um, recognized your value disappearing. This is another thing. Like when you're doing, um, like at least an hour in our line of work, disappearing is a pretty big red flag. Um, because it means that, you know, you're no longer current. Um, you haven't been doing this. So under what authority are you going to come and teach me now? You know, um, and, and you have to you have to address that. Um, like for me, I, I uh, made a point. One of the reasons it took me so long to come back um, is that I was, I didn't know what, what I was gonna say to the people that I was emailing before. It's like, I'm coming back, like, how have I grown? You know, like, what new thing are they gonna be hearing from me? And I, Am I gonna come back and just say the same stuff that I used to say to them? And, um, you know, what, what credentials do I have? It's not like I've done a promo anytime recently um, that I can talk about. It's not like I've done, you know, so what I like, I've always had a hate, a love, hate relationship with client work. I've always had that. Um, I don't really enjoy it, but you, you cannot deny that client work, especially in like with traffic generation, that is like the one thing which gives you credibility because if you're not doing it then what the hell are you doing teaching
0: yeah that's that's my one rule it's like you should, it, it's kind of the craziest thing because i have so many rules about people teaching copy it pisses me off that when i see so i'm not going to name names but there is there is a very uh, there's a very east asian marketer who who lives in the west Uh, who decided to move into the copywriting world fairly recently. And three of my friends have gone through their training. And my only question to them was like, you do realize this, they don't know what they're talking about, right? Like, what do you mean? It's like, they really don't know what they're talking about. Because I've looked at their stuff. It's just regurgitated bullshit from other sales letters and sales pieces that really, they've never tested. Right. I I have a rule. It's like, unless you've made $10 million for your clients, don't teach copywriting. Just don't. Because there's so many things that you need to be aware of.
1: And, and the other thing too is um, I see a lot of people who use as evidence of their, and it's an easy trap to fall into, of their um, uh, credibility that what they are doing to sell to their market, it's like that cyclical thing. It's like, yeah, I'm generating traffic, you guys and I'm selling to you guys this stuff and you can see how I made lots of money selling to you guys this stuff and here's the technique and how to do it I'm going to sell you the training on how I did that it's like um, I know it's sort of it sort of makes sense because yes you used all of your your, your strategies and your techniques to do this but I feel like having a more diverse set of experiences to draw from like okay um, instead of teaching copywriting to copywriters um about how you sold them copywriting um maybe show them how you sold um uh a, a, you know a supp- a supplements for uh i don't know brain or, video-
0: or a videography course or you yeah because t- yeah, like the whole thing is like and by the way just this, this is my my personal client thing because i don't think you actually know this um with the 700 million dollars in sales that i've done for my clients in 12 years it's not in one marketplace i've actually worked in like 400 different marketplaces to gather as much data as possible yeah. um and i could not agree more with you like i believe niching down is key but if you're going to teach a skill get experience elsewhere teaching that because what happens when you get someone that's like hey i want to go in health and beauty but this this strategy doesn't work in health and beauty what what do we do then
1: Exactly. Yeah, uh, dude. It, you know how frustrating it is to get somebody who. So we used to do this um, "done for you" traffic offer, um, and it was it was a popular offer. And I'd get these guys who come in, and they're like, "I've got a client, a traffic client. I'm supposed to generate traffic for them. Now I will mm-hmm. hire you to build their traffic thing, or like he wants to build a um, a brand around training on." traffic generation. And he's coming to me to build traffic. Buildings. like, dude, you're like, do you understand how wrong that is? Like you're, you're coming to me to send you traffic and yet you're te- you want to tell people to learn traffic from you. What do you know about traffic if you're outsourcing it to me? Yeah. You know?
0: It's an ethics thing for me. It's like that whole thing that I say to people, don't teach what you don't know. Like, and even if you do know what you're doing for you, Unless you've got experience doing it for others, or like you got experience in different marketplaces, don't. I mean, this yeah. is the whole thing where I go back to. Like, um, it's one of the greatest gifts that I was ever given was the was the idea that Halbert, uh, Kennedy, and Jay Abraham all put into my head from a very young age when I started out, which was they were gunslingers. Like, they wrote for every ad under the sun, every market they can get their hands on, because for them, they wanted the experience. And once they had experience, they know they could diversify and cross-pollinate. As Jay Abraham loves to say, I took one idea from another industry, from one industry, put it in another industry, and it worked like crazy. Yeah, That only comes from testing. And again, I don't, it's, um, and you've been around long enough. Do you remember the old arbitrage days? Yeah. Like, I I fucking hated that word. Like, I genuinely got to the point. I was like, why would you do that? Why would you sell something that you couldn't deliver on? Yeah. Isn't that unethical?
1: Uh yeah, there is there's, there's a lot of unethical people um, yeah. in in the industry. Um, you know, there's people who who will do um, testimonials that are completely fictional testimonials, yeah. and they bring photographs of people that they think that they're not going to find out. You know, that their photograph is being used, and and fake names and so on and put them in and it's like dude do you not see that that's wrong
0: like just how do you go to sleep at night how do you sleep? like this is a crazy thing i've never understood how does someone like that go to sleep at night knowing full well they've
1: actually caused harm i mean if, if you get busted that's just such a shameful thing like it's so embarrassing to be to be caught and these days it's pretty easy to get caught if you use somebody else's photograph you know, if you, if you didn't use a photograph, maybe, you know, but I mean, I'm not saying that it's ethical or good, but I'm just saying, you know, you might be able to get away with it. But using somebody else's photograph, yeah. that's that, that's really messed up. Um, yeah. But, you know, the other thing I noticed is that there's a lot of people who tend to um, think that if somebody is making a lot of money in a market, they know what they're doing. And... In reality, I found that most of the people who are making, especially people who are doing, like, really big margins, really big um, unrealistic, I mean, you know, not realistic, but, you know, that really big numbers. That's yeah, numbers. That, that in general, they are doing something that is wrong or unethical in some way. They're breaking some rule or they're, like, on the border of some moral um, thing, um, and, and, and they – they've just gotten away with it up to that point. And eventually they're going to get stopped. Um, And so I don't necessarily see a guy who's making a lot of money and think, Oh, well this dude really knows what he's talking about. This is somebody that you can learn something from Um, because, you know, um, you might be able to learn something from them, but whatever it is that you might be learning from them is likely to be just as evil as, you know, as them and what they're doing. Um, and, And that's why like, I see people who think, for example, of Steve Jobs as being like this really, you know, brilliant, um, this brilliant guy. Um, and I think that he was a really shit human being. Yeah, I I never looked up to Steve Jobs or anything that he did um, because he was generally a really crappy human being. And um, Bezos too, for me, is not really one of the good people. Um, Bill Gates, on the other hand. Um, is all of his philanthropic, uh, philanthropic
0: philanthropic, yeah, philanthropic. Yeah. Uh, philanthropic or, yeah. yeah, don't. I had the word with analysis earlier. I couldn't say the word analysis for like a good hour. <laughs> I was like, "Fuck, what the hell?" Like an analysis. No analysis. Bill Gates falls into a weird gray zone for me. I'm I'm kind of a half fan, but not really.
1: Yeah, I mean, I didn't like him um, from the technology standpoint for some time, but as a philanthropist, I think he's brilliant you know yeah. like that's something admirable um to you know dedicate all the money that you made is almost all the money that you made to to you know charity to, uh, to, to help good words yeah. yeah, that's powerful um, stuff
0: yeah. yeah but as far as it goes to like people actually checking out what they do ethically and who they look up to I kind of have this, like, have you seen the last dance, the Michael Jordan documentary yet? No. Do you need, just please, when you get a chance to, I would definitely recommend that. If, you, if you're going to watch something on Netflix, please watch yeah. that because it's, it gives you an insight as Kevin Hart said it, like he put it as the word alien. He's like, he gives you an insight of how an alien interacts with other people, like how he was so driven to constantly win. Cause right. it wasn't, it wasn't the case that he wanted to win. It's he hated to lose and why, wow. and it's weirdly inspirational, like it's very, very inspirational right. for me. But uh, when I say that I look up to people like Michael Jordan, to look up to people like Kobe Bryant and all these other people that are my mentors, the people I look at like externally, I'm not looking at them as in what they've done and achieved in their fields, I'm looking at their mind and how they've basically made it right. strong because that's what I want, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think I, I think that there is um, a lot of a lot of people are really focused on the wrong the wrong things. Um, uh, and I like I admire um, I admire somebody like Elon Musk um, because I find that the guy is he's not motivated by money. Like he's he makes a he's got a lot of money. There's no denying that. Um, I don't think that he's necessarily you know the, the, the genius of his time or something I think he's a smart guy a pretty smart guy I don't think that he's dumb or anything but um, that's not really what I look um, what I, yeah, I'm fascinated by I just like that the guy's work ethic and the way that he um, that he thinks about money like I was I saw him in an in interview where he was talking about um, how he had, bought up all these houses around him and he was thinking to build, um, a, uh, to build his dream, to, to build his dream home. it would be this amazing thing. And then, and then he was like, but then I changed my mind because I was, I'm, I know I'm going to be really OCD about it and spend, you know, several years working on it when I'd rather get to Mars. And I was like, "Dang, you know, like most people work really hard so that they can have those material things. And this guy's like, I just want to advance humanity. You know, it's um, so cool though that he does that. Uh, and uh, like when he sold his, um, when he sold his shares in, in PayPal and he, you know, cashed out, like most people would have gone and, you know, got themselves a Ferrari and now uh, whatever their dream car is and a nice house. And he's like, he invested into three different businesses and he starts borrowing for living expenses. You know, like most normal people don't do that.
0: Yeah especially when you have that much money that you actually just got out of cash out like wait what what but also that's a testament to his friends loaning him that money cuz that's another thing
1: yeah. yeah yeah that that too but you know the fact that he put himself through that it's like dude why would you put why would you subject yourself to you know it's it's embarrassing to ask for a loan from anybody yeah. i don't think anybody's comfortable Asking borrowing money from friends yeah. yeah
0: it's always like weird because um it's not a comfortable thing to do but I think it shows real security in how he was or how he is in order to ask for help. Yeah. yeah. That's a big thing. We've gone like completely slightly weird shaped on this which is awesome. I love it when we go down random paths on my show. <laughs> yeah.
1: But, but you see you see bro like um, we were talking about uh, Michael Jordan and that uh, I, I love I love um, watching uh, documentaries or movies about like just anybody who you know, really reach the top of their game, whatever that happens to be, you know, Tupac Shakur um, mm-hmm. is another one. Um, I, I love those, I find them extremely inspirational. And the pattern that you'll find with all of these guys, they all made money, they all became famous, they all made money, but they the thing that drove every single one of them was just a love for their Delicious. the passion for what they did, you know, yeah. did that, that competitiveness, that, you know, that hard work ethic that, um, it is not like a love for money. I'm doing this. So I want, I want to become a millionaire or a billionaire, you know?
0: Yeah. There's, there's none of that. It was all based on what they wanted to do for their industry, their sport, their thing that they were championing. They, they basically become so they became obsessed as um, Grant Cardone might say, they became so obsessed with that, with what they were doing. Now, one of my like, like, kind of, I'm glad that you said that we were talking about this because it's a perfect point for me to segue to one of my favorite questions, which is, uh, I know you, I remember you used to read a lot back in the day, so my question to you right now is, if you were to recommend five books, nonfiction, what books would they be to people listening, or movies, one of the Man. two?
1: Um, this is this is a tough one because, to be quite honest, I don't, I have. I don't read that much anymore. I I read when I was younger,
0: which is Um, why I'm kind of going for that kind of generation. like, what would you give them now? Like the people are talking to you now.
1: Yeah. Like honestly, um, most of my reading today, um, like when I want to digest, um, useful information, it's coming from podcasts. Um, it's coming from, um, it's coming from, um, certain websites where like for example i i spend a lot of time with stack overflow github um and quora these are like honestly your home pages
0: i know like you live on those pages
1: yeah like i i learn a lot um from people um on there i ask questions i contribute um to them um i don't really have i don't know man i used to i used to be an avid reader um i read a lot of you know a lot of fiction, non-fiction. Uh, when I was younger, um, the I can't really say like uh, necessarily a book that I would. Yeah, like in terms of books, I don't know, man. It's it's just such a long time ago since I read a good a good book. Not that there aren't good books to read, just don't have the time, you know. Yeah, I
0: mean, because you're a dad and there's like life and stuff to actually deal with. So I totally get that. Okay, yeah. let, let, let's modify yeah. the question slightly on And yeah. let's just say if you were to give anyone, like a really good friend of yours, in fact, you can use me on this one, say, adult I want you to go ahead and watch, read, or listen, or visit these five things. What would they be? Let's go with that one. Because <laughs> we've already got three, which is Stack Overflow, GitHub, and Um God, what was the third one? My great Stack Overflow. Oh, Quora. That was one. Yeah. So we get Quora.
1: Do you like Quora? I do use Quora from time to time. I I really enjoy the digest that they send me. I just I just go through and I read um the stuff. I mean I guess it depends on the feed that you've got, like what you're um, what you're connected to. Yeah. Um I really I really find that um I really enjoy Joe Rogan's um, podcast. Um, same. I've, you know yeah. recently turned on to it um to, to be uh honest it's not something i've been listening to for, for years and years it's just recently and i i've um i found some you know some of his guests are really um good to listen to um independently i um was turned on to jordan uh jo- jordan peterson who um He's is excellent. not yeah he, he was not i mean i listened to him on on podcast as well but that's not where I first discovered, actually, I discovered Joe Rogan's podcast through this guy. Yeah. Um, I really enjoy his, his take on, um, on things. Um, for some reason, it's controversial. I didn't know that. Yeah, know it's, was- it's,
0: it's really weird. How, well, I know why it's controversial, but it's really not. <laughs> is, it, is it? Like, what is controversial, about The whole reason he's in trouble, um, or was in trouble, was because Canada wanted to pass a law or they did pass a law where you have to call someone by law, whatever their gender pronoun is. Jordan Peterson's whole thing was if you ask me to call you personally, Hey, I'm a her and you're in the guy's body and you're like, no, I identify as a woman. Then he's like, I will call you a her. I will refer to you in the female um, pronoun that you asked for or in the pronoun that you asked me to actually go with or they or she or us or however, and he he complied. He, he basically complied with all that. The problem was he said that he had something against it being a governmental law because that takes mm. away your freedom of speech. Right. And that's the controversy that came with it, is they think that he's a right winger because he refuses to call, like by law, to change his freedom of speech. And in the end, he's just like, no, I just don't believe that you should force me to call someone something. I mean, right. I'm calling them this because I respect them. That's what sort of bartering of respect is. Enforcing it it's in terms of a law, you remove all personality and respect for that person's sovereignty.
1: Right. Um yeah, I mean I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a couple a couple more. Um Go for it. We that that's that's an interesting uh discussion though. We should we should get into a little bit more, maybe if we have time. But yeah. um I was gonna say we could totally do a so second like, podcast on that. <laughs> yeah, we could. We could do. Um, um. So, okay. This not not to um, sound like I'm self-promoting, but uh, the super traffic machine. <laughs> the super traffic machine, which uh, is the only product that I am currently. Selling. I've taken. I have taken a while back, I retired all the products that I sell. Um, the super traffic machine is um, uh, my basically. It was kind of like my, my, it was everything, um, that I'd learned along the way. I put into this, uh, distilled series of manuals to, um, to help somebody build a business on uh, online. Um, so it's distilled it's 11 volumes. <laughs> um, it's not, not that distilled as the other one. The other thing that I would say is everybody should try to learn some programming. Yeah. Some some programming. I mean, that doesn't have to be like. I, I don't want to like specify necessarily, but you know, if, even if it's HTML or CSS or even like regular expressions, which is not a it's it's, a, it's not even a programming language. It's um pattern a pattern uh, matching thing. I think that um especially today, it's really important. Like for kids, um, I, I want. I want my my kid to learn uh programming. I encourage my nephews and nieces and uh, I buy them um subscriptions to things where they could learn programming and that sort of thing. Um I think it's really really important. Skill it's a to useful have.
0: skill. Uh, it's the same thing I tell people like understand how to use WordPress. Like really yes. understand how to use it because it will save you so much time. Like don't get me wrong, people love click funnels. Good for you guys. Enjoy as you do but at the end of the day, you don't own it. Whereas a website, you kind of own all the stuff that goes on there.
1: Yes, um, and there's, there's uh, a lot to be said for that. I, uh, I don't buy anything from marketers anymore. When it comes to software as a service, okay, so let me modify that. I do not buy software as a service, marketed or sold by marketers because marketers are greedy fuckers who are trying to get into an industry, in which they don't know the rules and they don't know anything about it. And, they're, and they come in and they're, 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 they're... See, with software as a service is a lucrative business model and they look at it as, oh, we create the software once and then you just keep making money from it. No, software as a service means that you service the software. Um, it means that when you're asking somebody to pay a recurring subscription, then you must support improving. it. Yeah, you got Upgrading it. And you're not asking them for more money to receive the improvements, or the features, or, or whatever. And yeah. I've found that all the software written by marketers tends to be really shitty stuff written by, like, you know, outsourced probably to India because that's where you get, like, a lot of cheap um, programming labor. Um, and I've outsourced to India before. And I, I mean, like, I don't have a frame of reference of, somewhere else where about like where outsourcing happens what the, they will do what I think it's the way that they run their businesses that they will do anything just to you know just to finish the project and not do anything. whatever you,
0: you know any paying.
1: add-ons yeah um yeah the like and it's rubbish it's really bad quality like i've i've had to sit and I'm like dude what are you doing like this is this is completely wrong this you can't do it like there's not re- rewritten code for this. um anyway so it's rubbish stuff that they you know basically got some cheap um programming to to, to get it done and then there's no support there's no improvement Is uh, and it's overpriced um and um there's a lot of much better alternatives written by professional software companies who are legitimately trying to create a genuinely good product, um, much better alternatives. So um, one of the things that I'm um, doing now is I'm working on, a, on an email series in which I'm teaching people how to like switch away from a lot of the traditional choices in um, these things. Um,
0: yeah, so you got and, a um, poet
1: going right now as well, right? Uh, yeah, I'm yeah. not using. I'm not using MailPoet for myself at the moment. I've got, got my own system. Yeah. But but, I, mean, like you were, uh, I
0: saw you that you were promoting, so you were talking about how that concept can be created for your own
1: stuff. Right, exactly. So the cool thing about and and this is um, you know, actually A and Icon and all those guys, they are professional software yeah, companies, so they're not A- an- I'd yeah. say
0: A is one of the like. So just before we jump on. There was one marketing software. There was one piece of software that was created as a service that I would feel insulted personally if I didn't actually defend them ever so slightly, and that is ThriveCart. I will Thrivecart. Tip, I will tip my hat to Josh Bartlett. He has done an absolutely phenomenal job with this. Yeah, like Josh's products are brilliant, but like the problem they had in the past, like they kind of abandoned support after a while. Whereas this, this has been running for like three, four years, and it has continually updated and i'm not and I, I think i got it at launch price of like 200 bucks mm. it retails at like you can either do it monthly or yearly or lifetime as well as a, as an affiliate if you get that way but even so the amount of upgrades they put into the thing is damn incredible like the integrations they put in all the upgrades made sure that you actually had your own so you can run your entire promotion off ThriveCart mm. alone without a website now
1: well, it, um, just say um, I, that I have not, I've not used it myself. last um, uh, what I, I'm talk. familiar. I'm familiar with Thrive um, and their stuff. Yeah. In the early days, I used some of their things and I wasn't too impressed with it. Um, Thrive and Thrivecart are two different you know, things, by the way. Sorry? Thrive and Thrivecart
0: are two different companies entirely.
1: Oh, okay. Sorry, I
0: didn't. Oh, I, no. I, I figured the exact same thing when I first looked into it, okay. but no, that they're, they're two different companies.
1: Um, no, I, I, don't, I have not used it myself, but, um, oh, yeah. but yeah, so, so what I was, what I was going to say about the the mail. So this is one example. So Aweber is a professional, um, software company. Um, and, and it, so it doesn't fall into that category of the market, the market selling, um, software as a service. Um, and they are, you know, it's a good service, um, for the most part, but the problem that I have with. The likes of Aweber, iContact, OneShoppingCart, One Shopping Cart, and whatever all the new ones are—Mailchimp, Mailgun, and and all these other ones—campaign
0: and all the other ones.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, What I have the issue that I have with them all is that they take ownership of the most valuable asset in your business. They store it. They store the contacts. Um, They um, collect them. They dictate the terms under which you could email them. And how you can, you know, uh, who you can email and how you email and so on. And that's a little too much control to give away to any company that it, when, when your entire livelihood depends on that mailing list being accessible to you. So, what I wanted to do was to create a set, and this is what I didn't know until more recently to create a separation between mailing which is a service that you do need a service, like a a professional mailing service for, so that your emails are delivered to- um, Inboxes, yeah. To inboxes, yeah. Um, And lead um, maintenance, collection, storage, and all that. Separating these two things, so that those leads are always yours, no matter what. You always have the right to email them, no matter what. Um, And that separation could be done, I suggested MailPoet, I've been actively developing my own solutions. I've tested a lot of different things. Um, I suggested MailPoet as the plugin that you would use on WordPress to manage your contacts, store them locally, and not um, have them. And I'd not, uh, I actually i applied to the full disclosure, I applied to MailPoet's affiliate program, and they turned me down, and I still promoted them yeah. reluctantly because that was kind of a shit move on their part. <laughs> um, so I don't, I'm not compensated by them for, for promoting them. It's just a really good piece of software. It's open source. Um, I, I, really, I really like that the code is clean as well, so compared to a lot of what's, other ones. But um, it allows you to store all of your contacts inside of your WordPress. So they move with you wherever you go. Um, and then you can integrate the, the service which does the emailing. You could either use their one, which I don't use, I've never used. Um, but I think is the simplest way to go. Um, or you could integrate with SendGrid or with Amazon SES. Or you could um, uh, integrate, like if you have some other service and you know, you're a little more technical, you could just hook it up on your local server with a PostFix relay. Um, so that then becomes, um, you basically tell, so let's say you signed up with SendGrid, for example. You say to SendGrid, I want you to send this e- email to this email address. That is all that SendGrid will do for you. Um, and they can refuse to send an email to this email address because, you know, this person is on a suppression list or there was a complaint or whatever, which is fine. Yeah. But um, if you stop paying your SendGrid or you, um, it has a free tier, but let's say you paid for it for a period of time and then you're like, yeah, I'm not going to pay for it anymore. Your card defaulted, um, ran out of whatever. Um and you stop paying for it, well, you still have your mailing list. You can resubscribe at another time to send Grid to another mailing service, and you'll still be able to email. But had this been on AWeber, um, for example, not to you know pick on AWeber on their own, but let's say AWeber, um, for example, um, you were paying your your $199 a, a month, and then one day you did, you, I don't know, couldn't afford it, your credit card got stolen, uh, whatever it was, and um, you weren't able to pay it for a month or two um, outside the grace period. Um, And you come back, well, one, you can't email your list anymore. You cannot contact them in any way or access them, access your emails that you wrote and put into into Aweber. Um, And pretty soon, um, they will tell you, I think there's like I can't remember what there was a fee though that you would pay to re restore your your contacts. So they had a, another fee that you would pay to restore your contacts. if that ever happened. Um, and I don't know that that's an unlimited thing that you can come back five years later and say, "Hey, I want to I want to have access to my Web contacts." So that's why you, I would highly recommend that you know so either MailPoet or something like it be used to decouple the two things so that your contacts are one and your emailing is another, um, yeah. That's was, pretty cool. That's a very smart way of doing it because that way you're protecting yourself on all sides. Yeah. It's incredible. But and guys, go on? Sorry. No, no, go ahead, go ahead.
0: No, no, please, please continue.
1: I was just gonna say that the other one, when um, you mentioned ClickFunnels, I, I also don't like using ClickFunnels. Um, okay. And I would say that there are much better um, alternatives um, within the WordPress ecosystem. Um, the one that I use for funnels is um, uh, Cartflows. Cartflows um, is pretty decent and they have really good support.
0: Noted. I actually need to check them out because I was looking for something like that specifically because I just build literally everything for myself most of the time, just like completely from scratch. Um, yeah. Just makes life a little bit easier. But guys, this has been excellent. There is a second episode that now we have to do. Because uh, it's about controversy and all the other fun stuff, and basically how to garner the more deeper psychological stuff that we can go into. And that being said, Jim, it's been a pleasure having you on here, man. I hope we can do this again for a second round because I'd love to have for you back sure, on. Man. Um, right. And guys, please go check out yagilabs.com. Go check out his. I would actually say the super traffic machine is probably one of the best things you can basically invest in because if you know someone is out there constantly testing new traffic sources, testing new ideas. <laughs> You're going to understand how to do this. And um, Jim's one of those dudes that knows the stuff. So if you've enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, subscribe, and uh, leave a five-star rating on iTunes as well. And um, check out Jim's site, Uh Follow him on social media. He's a bit weird. I'm not going to lie, but he's fun as well because you have probably heard. Um, and if you need anything from me, please connect with me online or offline. Take care, guys. Have an amazing day and see you next week.